can we stand tonight for the reading of the word? And it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 8 to 10. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 8 to 10. And it says, You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Now, we say those are generational curses. Now, the Bible does not put that there, but we say those are generational curses because it says that the children will be punished to the third and the fourth generation. Verse 10, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. And we say those are generational blessings. Note very carefully that the curses are up to the fourth generation, but the blessings are for a thousand generations. Our subject tonight, from generation to generation. Let us bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your word to us. We pray that you will bless us. And again tonight, we pray the prayer that we have prayed before. God, if there is anything within this preacher that will hinder your word, please take it away so that your people will catch a glimpse of you. Your preacher will be able to sup at the same table and together preacher and congregation can be lifted up from this earth knowing that we serve an almighty God who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So this session is yours, God. You do your thing and you bless us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Generational scripts are patterns of behavior that were passed down by parents to children through the culture, the way of doing things, etc. For example, if your mother or my mother cooked with a lot of oil, most likely I will cook with a lot of oil because I would have learned from my mother. That in itself is a generational script. Generational scripts are written by parents and may unknowingly be acted out by children unless the children are educated about them. This sermon tonight is, and I forgot to tell you, but you may see where I'm going. This is for family the entire family tonight. So if you have your children and you have your grandchildren and everybody there, those online, just gather everybody together because this is a sermon for everybody. It might not be one of those sermons where you might say a lot of hallelujahs, but it's one of those sermons that you will have to do a lot of thinking and processing and going back 
at home and looking again at your life and at the structure of your family. So generational scripts are written. They might be uh, by parents. They are, might be unknowingly be acted out by children un unless they are educated by them. The generational scripts that are not understood are likely to be perpetuated without context. If positive, they become legacies. If negative, they become pathologies. And so generational scripts are very, very important to understand because those who create them need to understand the creation of them and those who are benefiting or, or suffering because of what was created needs to know that also so that they can change them. So some of the characteristics of generational scripts are, and I have seven of them here that I will give to you. One, they're learned patterns of behavior. Two, they're created within a family system. Every family has a system of operating, a system of how they do things, a system of what happens within that family. So in my family, for example, when I uh, got married, at Christmas time, I sat down there with my wife, and because we were from the same country and the same culture, I thought that, uh, that I, I, I will get the same food. Uh, and, 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 and lo and behold, that Christmas morning, she brought something different, and I was vexed for a week. Until she told me, after having conversation, because when you just get married, you can't be vexed for a week. You know Why? <clears throat> your honeymoon. <laughs> so you got to come around very quickly, sis. You know, <laughs> you got to come around to yourself very quickly. Until we had that discussion and she said, well, you know, in my family, this is what we eat Christmas morning. And I said, well, I thought that everybody had the same thing because we're from the same country, country and the same culture. And she said, no, we eat differently on Christmas morning. So it's created, it's a system that is created within a family. Thirdly, it is predictable, it is powerful, it is consistent, and it is sequenced. Fourthly, it exerts strong influences on each family member. Every single one of us sitting down here tonight, those who are looking online, we have a piece of our family within us and with us yes. that we carry around with us. Uh, number five, it is viewed as mandated codes of conduct. So this is how we as a family behave. You may have overheard people say, oh, in this family we don't do this. Or in this family we don't do that. You know, or this is not part of us. No, we are not like that. Because there are supposed to be some codes of conduct that have been passed down from generation to generation. Uh, am I talking any sense here tonight? Uh, number six, there are prescribed actions to be taken now and in the future. So people will do the stuff now and then they will take it with them into the future. So it passes from generation to generation. And number seven, and finally, it can be negative as well as positive. Lots of negative family traits are in many of our families, if not all of our families, and there are some positive ones as well. Well, this message tonight is to help us to identify both the negative and the positive and do the positive. Somebody ought to hear me here tonight. 
So there are some generational scripts that uh, reveal some defects in our socialization as an ethnic people. Uh, am I need, do I need to be more clear uh, as black people? If you think that wasn't clear enough. Uh, one, the, the poverty script. If I only had some money, I will do X, Y, Z. If I only had enough money, I will be a doctor. That script, you have heard it over and over again. If I only had. Secondly, the self-destructive script. Drop out of school, get involved in crime, drugs, easy money, get rich quick or die trying kind of mentality. Then there is a dependency script. I can't help myself. I need a whole lot of people to help me because I can't help myself. I need everybody else to help me. I need a church to help me, the elder to help me, the pastor to help me, everybody to help me because I just can't help myself. We, even though you have the same opportunities that are there, the same opportunities that might be around, the same uh, things to apply for or, or, or grants or help. So, no, no, I just can't help myself. I need everybody else to help me. Then there's a time doesn't matter script. We are always late. We, we don't regard people's time. We don't regard what is, you know, and, and, and you know the thing about being late is a disrespect not only to yourself, but to all the people who are waiting on you. Then there's a conflicting relational um, script. We, you know, we are always going through some kind of transition and change, and we are always all over the place, and everybody is supposed to follow us. Then there's a distrust script. I don't trust he, him or her. You know, they're up to something. They're always up to something. Can't trust people. Can't trust people. Then there's the inferiority script. I'm not good enough. I, I can't, I can't, you know, I'm just not good enough. I, I don't look good enough. I, I, I am not tall enough. I, I, I am not muscular enough. I, I, I always need something else. When I was going to school, man, you know, look at me, you know, I'm, I'm so, so dark and handsome, you know, but, you know, back there, you know, they call me all kinds of names, man. They call me black and shine, multiply by 99. They, 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 they call me all kinds of stuff. They said my nose was big. They said all kinds of things they said. And the more they said about me, the more I rose to the top. The more I became the head prefect. The more I became the head of the school council. The more I did all, the more they said, the more they, I, I, the more they had to come to me to show them their schoolwork. Because I looked in the mirror early in life. And recognized there was nobody looking like me. There was nobody like me with this nose, with his head, with his eyes, with his ties. There was nobody like me. And I told myself, it doesn't matter what you call me, I will rise. And there's this, the victim script. Somebody's always trying to set us up. You know, oh, they're setting me up, Pastor. They're setting me up here, you know. Then the self-hatred script. 
You know, my here is not enough. You know, I, I need to. No, I'm not knocking any ladies here tonight. You know, you ladies, you're my very, very good friends and so on. And you can do stuff to, 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 to you know, to, to look good and, and to smell good and everything else. You, you're expected to do that. But when it comes to your self-esteem, when it begins to affect your self-esteem and the, and the way you, you go about because of how God has made you, then it becomes a problem. There's no problem in enhancing Whatever, but when it becomes an issue where, oh, I'm just not good enough. I, 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 I just, I'm not dressing good enough. I, 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 I'm just not good enough. Then it becomes a, a matter of self-hatred. I prefer to be like Beyonce or Kim Kardashian or, 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 or one of those people uh, who's always in the, in the spotlight for all kinds of reasons. And then the abdication script is a script where we say, oh, uh, 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 let's leave it in the hands of the Lord. Just, just leave it in the hands of the Lord. The, the Lord is going to take care of just, just leave it in the hands of the Lord. Uh, what a way of escaping from our responsibilities. The abdication script where we just leave it in the hands of the Lord, so we say. So how are these generational scripts uh, um, created? Well, they are created through the dynamics of, of family relations, roles, the, the rules, the enforcement, the values, the communication, the decision-making, the levels of attachment, identification, the power, the control, the favoritism, the favoritism that is in the family, and the boundaries that are created or not created within the family. And sometimes those boundaries are, are, are very simple boundaries that we do not, for example, enforce in our families. For example, if you have a family that has both boys and girls, and the girls have their place and the boys have their place, there must be a simple rule that you do not go into the girls' space until, unless you're invited or knock on the door, or some permission is given before you go in. You, as a young man, in my house, do not have the right to barge into the young lady's room. There, there, is, a, there is a boundary. If you don't set boundaries with them in the house, then there will never be any boundaries with them growing. Somebody ought to hear me here. The boundaries are set in the house. You don't just run into your parents' room unannounced. You've got to rap on the door, knock on the door, and ask for permission to come into the room. Those boundaries are still valuable. You, as the, as the brother of the girls, you don't hit on the girls. Because if you hit on the girls, you will think that it's good to hit on girls that are outside of the house, and then you end up in jail. When the girls in the home say no, as the brother in the house, you have to respect that boundary, and don't say, oh, they're joking, because the same thing will happen outside. When the young lady says no, you will say, oh, they're joking. Are you getting what I'm talking about here tonight? We are talking boundaries here tonight. Are you going to bear with me tonight on this? We're talking boundaries. We're talking about setting up your family script. We're talking about, about looking at those things that are negative, 
that will become pathologies in your generations to come, and those things that are positive that will become legacies in your generation. Which one do you prefer? Which one do you prefer, the legacy or the, or the pathology? Then there are the family myths, the beliefs about a family, uh, what the family has for itself. The generational script define what you do about these beliefs in your family. And some of these beliefs that you have in your family, even though you may be Christians, are oftentimes superstitious things that creep over from one generation to another. Some of you still believe in some uh, uh, obia, you know, some uh, voodoo, uh, what, what, whatever you call it. You still believe that, that you must go and take a, a read, you know, a, 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 for, the, for the spirits to reveal what's in your future. Where did you get that from? Well, that came over from a great-grandmother or a great-grandfather. And even though you are now saved in Jesus Christ, you still cling on to that. Yeah. It has become a pathology. And you will pass that on to your children and they will pass it on because somehow Jesus is not good enough. So Jesus needs a little help from the obia man or the voodoo or the palm reader or whoever it is. He needs some help because he's not good enough to tell you your future. So somebody who speaks in a different language, well, gibberish, can tell you about your future. Psychics. As a matter of fact, there is a growth, a tremendous explosion of growth in psychics. As a matter of fact, in, in the British uh, police force, and, and I was looking at this the other day and I was wondering, no wonder all kinds of stuff happens in these, in these forces. Uh, about 12,000 officers uh, consider themselves to be pagans and are given time off on Friday middays to go and worship on hilltops in the United Kingdom. So when you see certain things play out in certain institutions, it's that the devil is behind these things and you don't understand why. So when you who are supposed to be children of God dabble in those things, the devil gets a foothold when a member will call me and say, Pastor, come pray for me because my children are demon-possessed or I am demon-possessed. That's a problem. Because God's children are not to be possessed if they are filled with the Holy Spirit. So how are generational scripts uh, rewritten? Because this can take, we can take so many sermons on this, but I've got to bring this within a certain, a certain time frame. How are these generational scripts rewritten? And I'm going to show you something from the Bible that will illustrate beyond a shadow of a doubt what I'm talking about tonight. That if you didn't get anything else, but you got this, you can leave tonight knowing that this thing is true. The Bible says in Genesis 20 uh, verses 1 to 3, now Abraham, Genesis 21 to 3, now Abraham journeyed from there towards the land of Negev and settled between Kadesh and Shore. Then he sojourned in Gerar 
Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. So Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream of the night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is married. I love this. I like what God said. He said, you, you're a dead man because this woman is married. But what Abraham did was he lied to Abimelech. One generation later, Genesis 26, 6 to 11. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar. And the men of the place asked about his wife and he said, she is my sister. For he was afraid to say she is my wife because he thought lest the men of the place kill me for Rebekah because she is beautiful to behold. Now it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech king of the Philistines looked through a window and saw and there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah his wife. As a matter of fact they were playing together and it was no ordinary playing then Abimelech called Isaac and said, quite obviously she is your wife. So how could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, because I said, lest I die on account of her. And Abimelech said, what is this you have done to us? One of the people might soon have lain with your wife and you would have brought guilt on us. So Abimelech charged all peoples saying, he, he who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Let it sink in. Abraham lied and he thought it was done and dusted. A generation later, his son in the same place told the same lie. And again, in Abraham's case, God had to intervene and say, you're a dead man. In Isaac's case, the king had to intervene and said, nobody should touch this man or his wife. If not, you will be put to death. Do you see our generation? No curses and scripts. Pass on. So those of you who are playing around, having relationships outside of marriage, fooling women, doing all kinds of things, and you have sons, and you have daughters, and you have children, do you not know that those same things will pass on to them and their experiences? Those of you who lie habitually, you lie for tea, breakfast, and dinner, you lie all the time, don't you know that the lying script is being embedded in your next generation? Those of you who are troublemakers, always you're in the church and that's all you for. Troublemakers, you give everybody problem, the pastor problem, the elder problem, the deacon problem, the, the, the visitor problem. You just problem, problem, problem. You're not leaving the church but you stay there. Problem, problem, problem all the time. Don't you know that your generation will be a problem generation? Yeah. 
whatever you reap, you do not only sow, but you plant it as well. So where do we begin to rewrite our generational scripts? We got a hustle on here. You say you're going to stay with me tonight, right? By gaining insights into the, the rituals, the stories, the myths, the history, the dynamics of relationships that are within your family, I'm sending you back home tonight to look at your family again and to look for patterns in your family. Next, you identify the scripts and the patterns that are present in your family. List out those scripts. Identify them as both as either negative or positive, and decide on working to change the negative ones and revising even the positive ones. Many of us have come from homes where there has been no communication between the generations. In other words, instructions have just been passed down and you had to obey those instructions. Nobody sits down and have family meetings so that you can know what transpired negatively in the family and what transpired positively in the family. You are just growing up. We just grew up. We just became our own men and women, and we are children of our own, and we do not even know what we're passing on to those children because nobody told us. Nobody said to us, hey, this is, this is you know, your uncle here, you know, he was a drug dealer. But suddenly you see one of the boys start to deal drugs and you want to know where did he get that from? But it's there in the family. But nobody said anything. And so it's been, it just perpetrates itself. Naturally, because nobody said anything, so nobody could have done anything to stop it. I don't know if I'm talking true tonight, but that's all I do. How does an understanding of your family history then help to rewrite those scripts? This is what Ellen G. White, one of my favorite writers, said in uh, Thessalonians, um, sorry, in Testimonies, Four Testimonies, uh, Testimonies, Volume 4, page 438. She says, and I quote, Examine with the greatest care not only yourself, but the position which each one of your family occupies. Trace the history of each and meditate as to the result of the course pursued wherein you discover that others have failed, carefully avoid the course that they have pursued. When I got to a certain age, and I reached my father, the first time I saw my father, I was 12 years old. I spoke with my mother as I grew, the next time I saw him I was 18, and you know, they were just, just being there. Just as a, a donor of the reproductive part that got me there, here. And I asked my mother, what is happening? And she explained to me the life that he lived. Before he saw her and he asked for her. They didn't have no relationship. She was probably 17, 18. And you know how it was back in those days. And before I was born, she had to chase him because he was bringing no money. He was, he was leaving for months, come back without, you know. So she just said, you know, this is done. Finish. So I, 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 I spoke to her. I discovered that my father, 
who, by the way, we are taking care of now in a, in a home. Because the Bible says that you should honor your father and your mother, that your days will be long in the land of the living, not whether they took care of you or not. If you, if you want the blessing from God, you do what you're supposed to do. You don't bother with what. You see, what you're doing is trying to break that curse. You're trying to rewrite that script. You don't want that script to remain the same way. So, discover that he smokes. And because of smoking and drinking alcohol, his life has been ruined. He has nothing to give to any, all his, his, his financials. Everything has gone up in smoke and drink. And I told myself, way back then, by the grace of God as I give my life to Christ at the age of 15, that I will never touch alcohol or tobacco or any drugs. That I will never touch it. Because I need to present clean breath and a clean break from that negative script to my children. When I drive my children to school, there are some things that when I open my mouth, they can repeat it with me. And they say, Daddy, again, but we know it. Yes, no alcohol. Yes, no sex before marriage. Yes, no, no, no tobacco. Yes, no marijuana. No cocaine. And they can repeat it. Because I said to them, I want you to know that you are building a legacy for the generations to follow. I don't know if you understand what I'm talking about here tonight. So, so the scripts that we're talking about here tonight, they are rewritten by making a deliberate choice to imitate the positive and to do away with the negative. And you can do this through the commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ. Amen. You can assist in rewriting your entire family script by starting all over again. By encouraging conversations. Tonight when you go home and during, maybe after these meetings are over for this week or whatever, make it a deliberate effort to call an old aunt, an, an, a grandmother, somebody. Talk about what happened in your past. See about whether there are patterns that are now filtering down into your family. And make a deliberate effort to... Go to God, present these things, and start all over again. Some of us, maybe it's the relationship with our children. Where did that come from? Why do we develop a bad relationship with our children? Where did that come from? Well, go back. And you will discover that no mother and child or what a father and child had a good relationship in your past. And knowingly, or unknowingly, you have perpetuated that same script. 
And you wonder why the things are not going well, why I'm not doing well, why the children and I are always at it. Why? Because somebody needs to sit down, realize what's in the past, and plan by God's grace to clear up the future and the present. I don't know if I'm making sense here tonight. You got to stop the scapegoating. Stop blaming others for where the family has gone wrong. Stop blaming. Find out and change. Start updating. Start revising. Start re-editing the current scripts based upon your change worldview tonight. Start doing it. Look at it. So what role do we play in this? What is your personal role in rewriting your script? Here it is. You try to develop a simple script that includes acceptable actions compatible with the Christian values that God has placed within you. And so I'm going to show you that the Holy Spirit plays the most important, significant role in you achieving your script. Because the Bible says that he helps us in our weakness. Isn't that true? The Bible says in Romans 8, 25 to 27, the Spirit himself intercedes in accordance with God's will for us, with groans that, would, that words cannot express. God's Holy Spirit, church, is there. Our lives don't have to be the same. We can change things around. We can be liberated. The Spirit, according to Romans 12, 2, aids in transforming our thoughts and renewing our minds. The Spirit, according to James 4, 7, helps us to resist and overcome hereditary and cultivated tendencies to evil. Don't take the Spirit for granted. It is He who comes in and changes everything. Somebody say amen. So what does a rewritten generational script look like? As you write that script, and like Jehoshaphat of old, you place it before God in prayer. What does that look like? So, my father inherited a fortune from an elderly man he cared for. He became the richest man in his uh, county, in this area. But he whined and dined and changed women like he was changing his shoes. He died a pauper. What would a rewritten script look like? By the grace of God, I will live simple, frugal, and invest my life and earnings in a manner to make secure my future in this life and in the one to come. Simple. I'm not going to do like my father did. My parents were pregnant. The old script. My parents were pregnant before they were married. Both of them of their oldest siblings became pregnant before marriage, and each of their firstborn children walked the same path. The new script for me would be, by the grace of God, a purpose in my heart that I will not engage a female sexually, but will honor her in marriage before we bring a child into this world. A simple script that changes the dynamics of an entire generation. I'm going to tell you some more. My grandmother, the old script, 
lived in an apartment. My great-grandmother lived in an apartment. My mother lived in an apartment, and I have no problem living in an apartment. Doesn't that sound familiar? The new script should be, even though my grandmother, great-grandmother, and my mother live in apartments, I'm going to build a house beside a lake with enough land to grow a flower garden and have a pool in my backyard. Somebody say amen. I'm going to change it. By the grace of God. My grandfather, the old script, could not read or write because he was a farmer. My great-grandfather had no chance of going to school. And my father dropped out of school. But a new script would be, I will finish high school, attend university, and become the first marine biologist in my neighborhood. Change it! Declaration of destiny. It is inspired by the Spirit of God and supported by human and divine resources. God's words will not return to him void of the purpose for which he spoke them. He said that he will help. You have God on your side. God a Father, God a Son, God a Holy Spirit. And you have a whole lot of people who are helping and cheering you on. Change the script. The old script would say, my great-grandmother lived in an apartment. Grandmother lived in an apartment. My mother and I lived in her, and I have no problem living there. I, I said that one before. Somehow I went back there. My parents, somebody needed to hear that. My parents lived, believed in education. All my four siblings were high school graduates. Each of them attended university and earned first degrees. That's the old script. The new script would be as the youngest sibling. I am going to set the bar much higher for my nieces, nephews, and myself. I will pursue double masters in early childhood education and a PhD in educational psychology. Change the script. Don't let the color of your skin or your ancestry or whatever, don't let that stand in your way. Change your script by God's grace. The God we serve is bigger than anything that he can do it for us. So change the script. Turn to your neighbor and say, change the script. What are some of the benefits of rewriting your family script? Here are some. You break the negative cycle. Oh, in our lives, there are too many negative things. Too many negative things. Too many negative histories. Too many negative pathologies. Too many things that are holding us back, pulling us back. It seems as if every time we make one step forward, we are making two steps backwards. We need to take control. Let God take the wheel. Let God take control and break those negative cycles. Liberation 2022 has come by to let you know that God is able to do it. To help you to chart a new course for the next generation. Oh, come on, don't be selfish. Don't just think about yourself. Don't just think, okay, I'm comfortable. This is how it has always been. This is how it will always be. And I don't care, I'm not going to change. This is me. No, God wants to change you so you can change the next generation. You need to become a living witness of God's power to change and heal the human heart. That's why you change the script. Because God's power is not limited 
to the negative things that are in our lives. God, when God comes into our lives, he changes everything. He takes charge of everything. He cleans up everything. He does a holistic job. Why does God want you to change the script? He wants you to stand out as an ambassador of heaven, a noble example to men, women, and children. When you change the negative scripts that are in your life, when you allow God to change those scripts that are in your life, in your generation, you do not only bless the next generation and bless the generation around you, you bless the children that are in your church, the young people that are in your church, those people who are coming off the road who will join this church in the future. They will have a different church. They will have a loving church. They will have a kind church. Why? Because God, we allow God to deal with all the negativities that are in our lives and we become positive people, positive role models for Jesus Christ. From generation to generation, demonstrate what it means. God wants us to demonstrate what it means to live an abundant life in Christ. Our past, our pathologies, have really and truly sapped our energies. We can't sleep at night. We keep going back to the past. We keep having nightmares. We keep going back, going back all the time. Why? Because we have not allowed God to deal with those negative things in our lives to set us free. For who the Son sets free is what? It's free indeed. When you should be putting down your head at night, and once your head hit that pillow, man, you should be gone until morning. If when you wake up in the morning, you hear, you see bright lights, and, 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 and you hear beautiful singing, and you hear, hallelujah, ha, you know that you're in heaven, man, that God came, Jesus came, and you're done. You oh, man, I'm telling you, Doc, when I hit, let me tell you something. When you say, I put my head down at night, man, and I hit that sack, man, I'm gone. God has got to take care of you. Let him take care of those negative things. And why should we change our scripts? Because we want to leave behind a rich and enviable legacy. We want to slap the devil in his face and let him know that he is a loser. Somebody say amen. We want to slap the devil in his face and let him know that he has no power over our generations. That he has no power over our children. He has no power over our present and our future. The devil has no power at all. Only God has all the power. Because God wants to, us to leave an enviable legacy. Of Abraham, it was said he's father of the faithful. Had his mistakes, did his thing, but you know what? He made his calling and election sure by leaving an example to us. So scripts are patterns of behavior. That were passed down by parents to children through the dynamics of that particular family. And God wants to change that in our lives. I believe tonight, as I rush to a close, I believe tonight 
that there is no family script you have that Jesus cannot help you to rewrite. I'm going to say that again, Dr. Liverpool. I believe tonight that there is absolutely no family script that you have that Jesus cannot help you to rewrite. Are you like Samson who had that vacillating script? God can help you to rewrite that. Are you like Jonah who had a non-committal script? God said go here, he went there. Non-committal, running from God. God can help you to rewrite that. I believe like Peter who had an unreliable script. Are you an unreliable person? God can help you to rewrite that. I believe like Thomas, who had that doubt in script, that God can help you to be positive and a believing person. And like David, who had that immoral script, moving from woman to woman, even involved in murder, to satisfy his loss, God can help you to rewrite that immoral script. I believe like the woman at a well who had that multiple partner script that God can help you to rewrite that script. We must trust in the power of the Holy Spirit and diligent efforts on our part, each of us with diligent efforts on our part, each of us can rewrite the negative scripts in our lives. And we can be positive because God wants to take us from where we are to where he wants us to be. He wants to take our families from where they are to where he wants them to be. Many of our families have suffered because of the negative scripts that we have passed on to them. But now you know that we can go back to God and ask him, to help us to take back from the devil what he has stolen from us. Uh, to take back from the devil what he has stolen for us. Because you know the song says Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, but he washes. <laughs> he washes white as snow. The, the song says, I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me my all in all. Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leper's spot and melt the heart of stone. Since nothing good have I, whereby thy grace to claim, I'll wash my garment white in the blood of Calvary's lamb. And when before the throne I stand, Complete, I lay my trophies down, all down at Jesus' feet. And the refrain that gives hope 
to every one of us says that Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. But it's an eternal but. His blood still streaks across the skies of history. But he washed it white as snow. I don't care what your script has been. God will change it and give you what your script should be. Do you want God to do that for you tonight? Again, I make that appeal. Some of you need to give your life to Jesus Christ in baptism. Some of you need to study the Bible a little more. You need to sign up online, talk to somebody at the church to get in some Bible studies, get into a class. Some of you know enough to give your life right away to Jesus Christ and be baptized. Some of you young people, you've been coming to church a long time. You've listened sermon after sermon after sermon. But you know, church attendance is not good enough. You need to give your life to Jesus in baptism so you can be saved. While you have the opportunity, this week is a good week for you to do that. A good week for you to begin to rewrite that script so that eternal life can be penciled in, penned in with a permanent marker into your script. That you can say, Jesus, I am saved, safe and secure. Why not contact pastor, contact one of the elders. Let them know your intentions so we can plan for you and we can take care of you. And if you're in the congregation here, I don't know you, but if you are in this congregation here, not yet baptized, not yet give your life to Jesus Christ, contact one of the members here. Tell them that you will love to know Jesus Christ. You will love to be saved and they will guide you. I trust tonight that each of us, as we go home and as we pray, we will place those negative scripts before God. And say, God, you know I can't do this by myself. Only you can help me. Let us bow our heads as we pray. Father, we thank you for your word again. We thank you that you're still in the healing, the saving, and the restoring business. And that a mess that we have made in our lives you are also still in the salvaging business because you can save us and clean us up and set us on a path to righteousness, prosperity, positivity, and new beginnings. Thanks for doing this for your congregation here, those online and those who will listen to this word in the future. Let the same power be revealed to them. Oh God, I pray. And you take all the glory, the honor, and the grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.